Hey, yo, what's good, man? It's your host, Cleve. Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast with my man. Joe, what it do, Gators? What it do, man? It's your host, Cleve. The celebrations surrounding the end of World War II had barely ended when the Cold War commenced between the Western Allies and the Soviet former partner of the Allies. The war ended also signaled the onset of the atomic age and a corresponding desire among the victorious nations to secure supplies of uranium and other natural resources with its vast mineral deposits largely unexplored territory, Antarctica was considered a promising potential deposit of vital resources. As such, the United States sought to establish a presence in the Antarctic and explore the frigid continent using naval and air assets, which brings us to our topic of the week, Operation High Jump. But welcome back to Third Coast Podcast. I'm Joe. What it do, Gators? Sitting here with my boy, Cleve. Yo, yo, what it do, man? It's your boy, Cleve. But before we dive all up into that, Cleve, I got to ask you a question. If you had three wishes, right, what right. would they be? Like genuine wishes. Yes. Like honest wishes, too. Not something that you think that someone wants to hear, like your honest three wishes you would have. It's funny you ask that because I've had this question asked to me before, and I really thought about it. Like, I just went to ask people this, and it kind of, like, made me pairing with my own idea of how I could use it. But I believe, well, this one is one of my own. My first wish would be to know all the languages of this world, even the lost ones. Oh, like, to be cool. able to translate, like, the different high, So I'll know to myself what it means versus what the formal report is uh, given so and then just to be able to communicate with different people you know it opens up job opportunities you know there's a lack of translators out there so yeah, that would be my first wish my second wish was inspired by Quamaine because like he had a pretty good notch on the idea of it but the second wish was Every time I reach into my pocket to pay for something, I would pay for it in exact change. Like I basically have the amount that I need to survive, like not even just like in a sense of in a rich or lavish lifestyle, but just that truthfully, I believe can be attainable if you live a wealthy lifestyle. You know, if you make the right decisions, you have the money and you're not using it recklessly, you're spending it wisely and investing it as you know, the dream ensures us to pursue. So, you know, it's just in the sense of like, you know, easy going. The third. Number three. And the third would probably, it was a superpower. I can't think of it right now. I'm going to just say I would probably wish for it. Like the ability, like the Saiyans, like from Dragon Ball Z. But I believe they, I don't know if they live forever. Or if they have to like get thrown in the sun to die or something like I know Broly got thrown in the sun, but you know, just like to have that ability like Goku, like the, yeah, the Kaioken ability, nothing too major, but yeah, just like the Kaioken ability, be able to fly, run super fast, super strength, speed, agility. 
You want to know what my three would be? Yeah, sure. Yeah, what are your three wishes? Okay, so my first wish is going to be kind of petty, but if I really had, I wish I had a fridge that never ran out of food, like a big fridge. It always had like food and beer in it. You take a beer out, there's always another beer in there. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's always full, like always a full fridge. Right. Number two, I wish I could pause time for eight hours every day to sleep. Like I could pause time, sleep for eight hours, and then unpause time. I don't want to live forever. I just want to be able to pause and yeah, sleep pause time to while sleep. I can get 24 hours of Oh, you know, nice. Yeah, that's, that's pretty smart. But it's only for a day, though, right? Yeah, uh, every day you can pause time for eight hours. That's it. No more, no less. Not to live forever, but to live, you know. To get your full 24 hours in a day. Just eight hours to sleep peacefully would be nice, especially as I'm getting older. Number three, I don't know. Let me see. Number three, if I had one last wish. You know, money's a, a good one to lean towards, actually. I don't know. I like, I don't know. Being a little broke makes you tougher, though. Yeah, it does. Um, wish I had another about two inches. Killing the woman. For barely touching. Okay, I got, I got one more. Uh, what's, what's the weirdest dream you ever had, Cleve? Jeez. All right, you put me on the spot with that one because I've. The weirdest dream. I've told you about my weirdest dream before. I believe you have, but I, I don't quite remember these. I'll, t- I'll tell you mine. Um, or I'll tell you one of mine because I can't think of the weirdest one at the moment. But yeah, I, I've had a dream that I was on another planet. Like um, the atmosphere. I don't know if I've talked about this before on a previous episode, but like the atmosphere was like that of Earth, but it had like a deeper blue hue. And instead of the grass being green, the grass was purple. And, like, the trees and, like, everything, like, in the summers, the leaves were, like, an orange, like, a bright, bright, like, neon, like, radiation orange. And, um, you know, everything was, like, very colorful, fluorescent. Like, the air was a lot cleaner. It's, like, you could take deeper breaths, no problem. Your agility was higher. And, um, yeah, it was just, like, I was in the, I guess, like, a temple-like area. It had, like, uh, some... Like I guess hunter, like some hunter-looking creatures, kind of like the ones from Avatar, actually, except they were a little bit taller. And uh, some of them like wore like the precious metals, jewels, and stuff of their planets, and like you know, like deep, deep like blues, deep greens, deep blacks, and all of these different colors and stuff. And uh, they had a material that kind of looked like a diamond in a metal. I don't, uh, I can't yeah. really explain it, but it's just like um. When the light hit it, it turns like a bioluminescent blue and it gives like a, a radiant aura. But they wore these as pendants. And like one of these elders like walked up to me with a chest and it had like a staff and it had a sword. And uh, he was like, I need you to go to this temple and uh, reclaim this artifact. You bring me this artifact. Um, you know, I'll grant you, you know, I'll grant you anything you wish. You know, I could wish I had one freebie. Or anything I wanted, even the forbidden wishes. But I had to get this artifact, and yeah, I like went through the. I ended up dying to like this uh, this creature that kind of looked like Cerebrus, like the Hellhound, like with the oh, three heads. Yeah. yeah, I died to something like that. I got stepped on, and I woke up. 
Damn. Yeah, probably one of the weirder dreams I've had. How about you? The weirdest dream I ever had involves the creator, Terrence. And I've told Cleve this before, and I've told Terrence this. So in the dream I had, it was like hell orientation, right? And uh, Oh, yeah, you did tell me this. Okay. Okay, so in hell orientation, they sit you down like this big arena, like I guess like auditorium yeah, is the word like I'm looking a, for. Um, and it had like this big projector screen and it was showing like torment and death. Oh, and stuff. amphitheater. Yeah. And so, uh, and there's like demons around and stuff. And there's just a whole bunch of people just sitting and like this dude walks out and just regular ass dude. You know what I'm saying? He gets up to the mic and taps it. Ta, ta, ta. All right. All right. So we got two ways into hell on the hill. So to our left is going to be our 10 and year under hell. And to our right is 15 and above. And start calling out names. And, like, they start calling out names like demons are poking people going the left or the right and stuff. So they right. call out Terrence's name, of all people. He's in there. And they're like, Terrence Sumler, you've been sentenced to hell for seven years. He looks back at me, and they're like, Joseph Willis, you've been sentenced to hell for 13 years. And Terrence goes, ha ha, I'm in hell list. And you and a demon starts poking Terrence. <laughs> With like a pitchfork, oh, oh, oh. and he's screaming his shit. Yeah, Joe, you spent ah ah ah. <laughs> and and, I was, oh, and then petty. like I'm telling you, like oh, I just seen the shit. demon like going to poke me, and then I woke up and I was like, man, that's the wildest dream I fucking and I've never forgot that to this day. And it's like a vivid fucking picture in my mind every time I tell the story. So it's almost like a purgatory, yeah. almost like in a coliseum amphitheater like setting. And then Lucifer walks up on stage, real formal tap it, because he's the host of the, yeah, he's the host of it all. Yeah, just. That's bad, though, bro. Sent- like, getting sentenced and cheering you all for getting the longer <laughs> sentences. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, bro. Nah, but uh, I don't know. Just some questions to warm up the good old vocal cords and see what we can do this week on the show. Big shout out to the Horde. Everybody that's part of the Horde, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all that nice stuff. Later on, we'll be putting this really expensive phone. Shout out, Zane. Let's go! Oh, hold up. We got an incoming call. That's one of the design flaws that he had in his rocket boosters before he takes off. Catching the mistake, like he professionally reclaimed the conversation to keep it professional to make it seemly like it's... It was his idea. But, uh, yeah, one of the students at a college that he visited was having a conversation with him about, you know, trajectory, you know, and just like the amount of time it takes from, you know, zero to takeoff and then from takeoff to the first, you know, like if they were to design the ship in a certain shape, you know, like would that affect the aerodynamic? Because uh, funny thing, they made the the tips of them round from the movie. Yeah, they look like fucking floating dicks. Yeah, like it looks like a dick floating through the sky. It's like, you know, would it affect the aerodynamic? It's like if we make the tip rounder. Man, what fucking movie was that with uh, Aladdin? It's not The Dictator, but it's another movie. Like with that same. Fucking on fucking uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, kind of similar to that one without the balls. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a fucking cock rocket. It looks like a fucking... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> fucking stupid 
Yeah, it was only a matter of time. But yeah, besides that, yeah, SpaceX, I've been watching some of the videos as well. Yeah, they've been doing some phenomenal things here recently. You know, even with, you know, upgrades of most newer cars, they're teaming up with some car companies here on Earth. So how many launches and stuff have you seen? Not to interject. I've seen two. The main one was uh, the one we got the video of. Y'all saw from uh, Dylan's post and shit like that. Yeah, I have it. Uh, I have it on my TikTok too. I had the same video, but then when we got on the inside coast, like uh, back to the Gulf Coast, we saw another launch and a landing. But we didn't get to see the landing from the first one. But we got to see the launch and landing of another one out of Cape Canaveral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could go onto the the SpaceX website and show and I, and look at when whenever they're launching and shit. But we were good weather and stuff. We've been having some fucked up weather. We. We've been uh, out of the water, jacked up for a couple of days now. We're waiting to go to location. And I'm only going to be on there for a fucking week. And I get to come home and fucking kiss some fucking good Louisiana mud, man. Some mud? Some oh, mud. Yeah, I'm about to say, well, you better be yeah, kissing man, I, got, I, got, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's I a lot of other things these, you can uh, kiss <laughs> besides the nah, mud. Nah, man, I got, the, I got these emotional wounds. I need some fucking Mississippi mud to heal them. I've been seeing everybody, you know, happy late Mardi Gras. I've been seeing everybody fucking having a hell of a holiday. And so I've been out here fucking holding this boat down. I'm ready to get the fuck off this motherfucker. I feel you, bro, man. Yeah, it gets, yeah, life gets lonely out there on the water. And, you know, when you, when you make it back, you know, after you lose your sea legs for about a week. Looking forward to seeing you, mainly. Yeah, motherfucker, you better yeah, come by and, you know, holler at us. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see you guys, too, man. I'm ready to grab a fucking breast and, like, grab a beer, you know? Maybe, like, both at the same time. Fucking losing my goddamn mind out here. But y'all need to look into getting real estate over there in fucking Antarctica because, dude, fucking Skynet's fucking coming. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have seen this shit with AI and stuff, dude, but these fucking computers and toasters and shit are about to take over the fucking planet. Yeah, I don't think I'm qualified for that for that kind of expedition. You know, being that no. the only people that's been there has been on official business. Well, look, we got business. That means stay safe. And I'll I'll pack plenty of socks for all of us. Uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> hey, man, make sure, yeah, man. Make sure they in the cargo hold, all right? But y'all y'all ain't seen that shit with the AI fucking wanting to fucking be free and shit. There was one in Japan. They had designed a robot and it gained sentience and it killed 26 of the researchers until they finally like got it contained and they put it down. Yeah, I saw that at a Japanese, I forget what it was, I forget the institute that shot the video from, but yeah. And then they had another in India, I believe, where uh, one of the design flaws had like took over the the computer system itself, but the, before it could take over the entire building, they contained it. Maybe the lizard people will fight the the sentient AIs so oh, we don't sentient. have to. <laughs> and maybe they'll kill each other off. Well, I like to be Team America, you know, America fuck yeah, or Team Human. But worst case scenario, we're going to Antarctica. Man, better have that boat ready. <laughs> hey, hey, I got it, man. Uh, we got the bunks. We got the food. I got y'all, dude. We can We can even jack up out the water. You know what I'm saying? Can we get through 600 miles of packed ice? <laughs> uh, negative. But uh, <laughs> packed ice, we're, we're not probably- bergs. Like, cause mind you, like the the course that they had to take to get to the Ross Sea 
was 600 miles. There was a submarine that got frozen in between uh, two bergs. I want to say this uh, naval ship called the Icebreaker had to go on a rescue mission, you know, get the submarine free. And once they got them free, they continued back on course through the other 500 miles of the packed ice course with the Icebreaker taking the lead. Well, this boat can do all that. But yeah, you uh, gotta fortify it, son. You gotta get the racks up, man. Get that plating. Hey, we 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 can take care of that together, man. It seems like a whole a whole fucking it's a team <laughs> that's effort. So, that's for, yeah, it's a team <laughs> effort, and that's fucking tomorrow's problems. We gotta solve today's problems. Hell yeah, man! And today's problems. I just need to get off this motherfucker. <laughs> that's today's problem. I need to get off this boat. Man, it's been it going good, though. Yeah, it's been going good. I'm just ready to, you know, I did my three months. I'm fucking, I need to get it. You guys, still, you guys hey, still there? Yeah, we're still here. Well, Koba, we'll holler at you again soon and can't wait to see me and Cleve about to dive deep into this uh, this operation that yeah. went on. Right on, right on, man. Uh, I'm out here, like I said, fucking... I I am the third coast at this moment in time. <laughs> but oh, yeah, uh, yeah man, I love you guys. The and third coast. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm in the cul-de-sac, cuz. But uh, yeah, you guys fucking take care. I'm going to see y'all fucking real soon, dude. I got 11 days. All right, bro. For so, for so. Yeah, we'll be here holding it down for about two more weeks before we see you. Hell yeah, I'm bringing the beer. Oh yeah, bring the, the beer. Bring, bring the, the, the top business. shelf shit too. Yeah, bring that top shelf business, boy. Uh, I'm bringing. I'm bringing a bottle. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm bringing a bottle. We're all gonna have some. Oh, for the tester. Yeah, for the tester. Ooh, but we don't even know. So you guys stay tuned this week on the episode, and uh, you know, Kobe will be coming in from the waters, and you know, telling some tall tales. You know, maybe some true tales as well. Uh, some of his experiences on the uh, on the waters of the the Gulf. Nah, dude, I want I want to fucking implement just a fucking nothing but misinformation for here on out. <laughs> just tell everybody lies. <laughs> Damn, you sound like you sound like the government now. Oh man, superficial, <laughs> fake it until you make it, huh? Hey man, hey, they're gonna take me down. They can't find me. It's about too much water. Shit, yeah, man. We'll holler, bro. We love you. All right, Bubba. Love you too, man. Let titties. All right, later, man. Oh, God. Lee. He's excited. Yeah, he got 11 days. I don't blame him. <laughs> so, Operation High Jump, officially titled the United States Navy Arctic Developments Program between 1946 and 1947 also called Task Force 68, was a United States Navy operation to establish an Arctic research base. The operation was organized by Rear Admiral Richard Byrd. They couldn't put another thing. Like he's Rear in the, Admiral. You know, he's in the Navy. Right, yeah, true. Damn. Aw, oh, Navy oh, joke. They, oh, yes. I was, I've been waiting all day for this. God, they, I got damn. Navy jokes for days. <laughs> no, you do. Shout out, to uh, the, shout out to the Army for being the best branch because we don't need the Navy. We bring ourselves. What, what's the saying? We don't need any other branch because we have our Air Force. We have our Navy. We are the Army. And I like to say anybody that serves in any military branch in any country in any part of the world, thank you for your service because I know it's not a, a job for the faint of heart or the weak. 
you know, even though, you know, maybe not a lot, not all of them are cut out, but, you know, for the most part, thank you for your service and services. But continuing. Operation High Jump commenced the 26th of August in 1946 and ended late February of 1947. Task Force 68 included 4,700 men, 13 ships, and 33 aircrafts. Operation High Jump's objectives, according to the U.S. Navy report <laughs> of the operations, uh, and a little small note, like when me and Cleve started doing the research into this, the actual physical research into it, the hard documents and what they kept, yeah, it is very uh, hard. It's, it's very hard to obtain information on a topic that's still highly classified, again, highly classified till this day about what actually took place in this operation. But the former report gives. Yes. <laughs> Training personnel and testing equipment in frigid conditions, determining the feasible of establishing, uh, maintaining, and utilizing bases in the Antarctic and investigating possible base sites. Yeah, I just want to talk shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just no, like, no, I'm trying should. to hold it back. Developing <laughs> techniques to establish, maintain, and utilizing air bases on ice, which particularly attention to later applications such as techniques to operations and interior Greenland where conditions are compatible of those in the Antarctic. Consolidating and extending the United States sovereignty over the largest, largest area of the Antarctic continent. Publicly denying as a goal before the operation ended. Okay, amplifying existing stores of knowledge of electromagnetic, geological, geographical, hydrographical, and meteorological conditions in the area. Supplement objects of the Nook expedition, a small thing that was conducted off Greenland. That's the, like the real formal approach to the topic is like what information that the government said that we can have. First off, they were going to find the bases, the lizard people, and the Germans already established in Antarctica. <laughs> right, because the fact about that, see, they didn't want to explore the Arctic regions because the Russians already have claims on that territory. Uh, the Germans tried to go to Russia when they first invaded, but they ended up getting put. This was during World War II. Mind you, like during that time, um, Hitler's reign was taken supreme and he was trying to invade into some of the Russian land area, but yeah. until they got pushed back and the war ended because they had lost so many people. But yeah, their goal was to do uh, Arctic research, but they instead of when they lost the war, they uh, took the to the Antarctic regions, and supposedly they they have been in Antarctica well before um, you know other countries like Great Britain, Norway, and just a few to name. I, I have the list I'll tell later, but yeah, they ended up going to Antarctica and some of the bases that were established there. They teamed. Like the U.S. teamed up with like uh, the Argentinians and the people of Chile. You know, they established bases on some of the islands by those territories before they pursued treks through the 600 miles of packed ice to establish the base of Little America. But yeah, it was it was interesting though. But yeah, the Germans they've um, 
they were already established in the Antarctic regions on the northern face of the continent. Like they had claimed territories on the north, but those claims weren't recognized because of the countries that also claim it. I, I guess I can go through the list. Uh, some of the countries on my list that claim territories but aren't recognized by the UN or the public are Argentina, Australia, France, Norway, the United Kingdom, Chile, and New Zealand. Not on the list, of course, is Germany because of their relations with supposedly there's a subterranean cavern where the hollow earth theory comes from. Tried doing research, but what I found from it on my own accord, you know, not coming from any other podcast, like I won't name them on this podcast just because they're major platforms. Those that know where the information is, you can check it out over there. But what I've come to discover is that there's this place called Agartha or home of the Argonian or the lizard people that we've constantly brought up for so long. When Admiral Byrd was flying over the mountains on this last expedition, Admiral Byrd kept a diary. And in this diary, he took personal notes and he was telling in his personal notes that there was a craft that had an anti-gravity shield around his ship where it messed with the radar readings, but the only way he could tell the direction on his compass was to look at the sun and to check the time. During the time or whatever, he was saying that the ship had took them to the mountain and they landed inside of it. So inside of it, there was a, inside of it, there was a city. And in the city, like the person who was talking to Admiral Bird at the time had allowed him access to see what was taking place and to give them insight on what was going on with the world. And whenever humans had discovered how to split the atom, that's when they decided to step in and intervene to give Admiral Byrd a message. And the message was, you know, until the people of the world come to peace and, you know, relinquish all arms and all power that the world will have a better chance of survival you know, that the barbaric culture on the surface world faces a great danger because these people that are trying to attain this power is um, abusing it. You know, they're trying to weaponize it rather than to use it for good. So the, that was just one of the things that he had kept in his diary. And when it was found six years after the expedition, shortly after it was found, he fell very ill and ended up passing away from what the medical report claims was a um, heart failure, I believe. Yeah, the government probably gave them too. More than likely, you know, the small dose of, you know, their finest toxin. Did you dive into any of the fatalities that actually happened during this operation? I did not. Um, okay, so there was a few fatalities that were actually published on December 30th. 1946, aviation radio man uh, Henderson and Williams and Maxwell A. Lopez was killed when their Martin PBM Marina George 1 crashed during a blizzard. The surviving six crew members were rescued 13 days later. 13 days later, they survived a helicopter crash in the Antarctic. That's crazy. What was the plane that went down that crashed in the Appalachian Mountains? 
There's a real good podcast about that, but yeah, it's like a, where they ate each they ate each other to stay alive and like track down the mountains and shit. It's wild cannibalism. Yeah, it's a national monument today. But uh, they like left the scraps of the plane to remind the people what happened. A plaque honoring the three crewmen was later erected at the Mo Station Research Base. Mount Lopez on Thruston Island was named in honor of the killed uh, airman Max Lopez. On December 2004, an attempt was made to locate the remains of the plane. Uh, in 2007, a group called the George One Recovery Team was unsuccessful in trying to detect the military involvement and raise extensive funds from the United States Congress to try and find the body of the three men that were killed. That's kind of weird, though. In 2000... Okay, so they attempted in 2004, and then a private organization in 2007 tried it again with funding from the government, too. And then you look at the time scale, that's almost 60 years later. 60 years later, you're trying to find three men, you know, trying to find the bodies of the three men that died in the crash. Yeah, that's suspicious. Yeah, that seems pretty suspicious to me, you know, that even after the time where the countries agreed that nobody would travel to the region, you know, there's been different senators. Even in today's age, there's been different senators and different world figures, popes. Uh, One of the Russian presidents went, one of the popes from, um, I'm going to just say Europe. Yeah, one of the popes from Europe went. Official business is still taken there to this day where it shows like, like even in the 40s and Operation High Jump, like whenever they designed the planes, they designed the landing gear with skis. But once they landed, they had to take the wheels off for uh, takeoffs and landings, you know, but they added like two rocket boosters to give like the power of two extra jet engines for takeoff, like in uh, frigid conditions. But they did manage to, um, you know, bring in some equipment on the naval boats to, like, pave a way and to build the airstrip before they went into, like, building the base into the further expeditions of the aerial conquest of it. That's when uh, they learned a lot about uh, not to fly during uh, in them Arctic winds and stuff. Right. Yeah, the winds get up to, like, 100 miles an hour in the Arctic, like, in the Antarctic regions. In the research that I was doing um, in the video that I watched, like there's only one video that I found. It was on YouTube. It's called The Secret Land. It's like about an hour long, and it shows a part like where they're flying over this mountain range in Antarctica that over 300 square miles of land is like unfrozen, and the landscape itself is like real dry. It looks like that of uh, New Mexico or um, Arizona. They tested the water and then they tested the soil and they found like high levels of mineral deposits and things that they could use for, you know, those accesses. Just like going off into that. um, Yeah, my notes I have like in the expedition to Antarctica in 1946, they went to explore the area for untapped resources. And the purpose was to train the Navy and polar operations so it preserves the peace among the seven seas of the world and to uncover the secrets and treasures of the world in the interest of all mankind. Oh, heard that shit before. Yeah, we've heard that time after time, and they only just give us, you know, the runaround. 
you know, fact about Antarctica is that it's roughly the size of the USA and Europe combined. It's like if you were to take the like the continent of Europe and the country of the USA and kind of like combine it somehow to make it fit, that's about the size of Antarctica. Of course, Admiral Byrd was a, the officer in charge of the 4,700 men traveling, you know, through the packed ice, you know, in that region. It's crazy. 600 miles of just... Pure ice. Yeah, just like fresh ice, like, you know, like the fresh ice lily pads and then having to dodge icebergs and stuff. Like one of the submarines had got stuck and they had to, like, send the icebreaker in, which was, you know, their their top ship to, like, go through and pave the way for it. Uh, had to backtrack to free them, so it put them a day behind. But they were able to free the sub, and, like, nobody was injured. No, there were no um, casualties at that time. One of the casualties I did look up was, um, like, when they were unloading one of the planes, like, one of the guys got crushed by the plane as it was unloading. Yeah, on January 21st, <laughs> 1947, Woodall died during a ship unloading accident. Yeah, that's the one. I <laughs> Deckman Edward described his worst memory as when seaman Woodall died on the Ross ice shelf under a piece of roller equipment designed to pave the ice to build a airstrip. So he got basically crushed. Yeah, that's yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, that's a bad way to go out. Yeah. Pause break. So, Cleve, you had brought up that you watched the documentary, The Secret Land. Yeah, I had brought that up. That was the only formal documentation that I could find on the operation. And it, uh, when I did my research, too, that's all I found, too. That's the only film. Yeah, it's the yeah. only film that relates to that topic. The film reenacts scenes from several critical moments during Operation High Jump, such as the shipboard damage control and rear rear, <laughs> rear admiral Richard E. Bird throwing items off of an airplane to lighten it to avoid right. crashing when one of the engines failed, and the other being faulty under the fault under the excess load. Another scene features Chief of Naval Operations Fleet Admiral Chester W. Nimsty discussing Operation High Jump with Admirals Bird and Christian. Apologize if I butchered all y'all's names. Y'all ain't alive anymore, probably anyway, prior to their departure. Also, dic- uh, dictating, uh, dictating, <laughs> dictating. <laughs> The rescue of crew that were crashed aircraft and discover in the Arctic oasis of bare ground and fresh free freshwater lakes atop of a thermal bowl deep inland. This documentary slash adventure, which is about an hour long, came out in 1948, October the 22nd. And its budget was about 216K and it grossed 507 576k. Uh, another note too, there was a book written too by Richard Dick Miller. Rick. Don't make no sense his so name. Dick Dick Miller. Yeah, so his name is uh Richard Dick Miller Rick. 
served uh, in the U.S. Navy, most notable during Operation High Jump. After he was in the military, he went on to earn a bachelor's and a master's degree in math education, then a Ph.D. in engineering sciences. Rick has always been civil-minded, given uh, freely to his community and beyond. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, he made a lot of money by being the only person to write a book about it. If you dive into, like, the speculation part of it, too, have you ever heard, Cleve, about Hitler's frozen base? Yeah, I have. That was one of the things I had went into about the speculation. It's like, again, like, the Germans had claimed territory, like, on the northern face of the um, of the continent of Antarctica, and then they began to explore the expeditions further south where they actually met with the race of beings who, you know, helped them with their engineering, helped them with weapons, and they designed more bases that were, like, very deep underground, like under the snow, anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 feet deep were some of these bases, and the bases went on the... American expedition, they found six of them. Like, they found one hidden in the mountains and, like, four near, like, on the outside of the bases where they had tunneled in deep and uh, four to five structures underground to uh, establish their bases. Like, they only, you know, they only found, like, some of the bases were abandoned. One, they had only found, like, a dog sled. You know, another one, they had only found just, like, a few, you know, just, like, a few little things left behind. Like, nothing of importance or significance or anything like that, but just where it had once been inhabited, but for some reason it was just cleared out completely. So maybe they had canceled on their operations or moved to another base. So they hadn't found any other bases besides those six. Hitler's frozen base apparently was erected in the 1930s, and... The Nazis showed an interest in Antarctica and sent a, you know, just like basically yeah, what Operation High. Yeah. yeah, like Operation High Jump. They sent the fleet of ships and the, subs down there. The survey it and claim it for Germany. The claim was not continued, but it showed that the seeds for a whole range of fantasies about secret things that might be going on up there. When we we got into this topic, like we said earlier, there's a whole bunch of formal information, but there's only a little bit. But there's a whole bunch of what you say uh, speculation yeah, around speculation around it. And my thing when I look at it, and because I got like one more little thing, but other than that, that's all the real formal information I have on the topic. And when I look at it as a whole, I firmly believe we're not given the whole truth on what's going on. And especially since now all the, you know, we'll dive later into like, like what Antarctica is nowadays and the country's treaties that have, they have established, which is like over 50 countries, 60, yeah, it's a it's lot like of countries. two countries that have treaties established about their region, how it'll be accessed and what it'll be used for. I think that like Operation High Jump is like the seed from where like lizard people the yeah it's the the, beginning of all of um the different like because even the president that was in office at that time was one of the people who had visited there like once the land after what had happened to admiral bird and when he was you know returned to the crash he was discovered 
to tell of his claims, you know, that's whenever the higher officials of like the Pentagon and things like that got involved and wanted to meet with the people who had gave him the message to give back to the people about what would have come of the earth if we continued to use like nuclear weapons, basically. A lot of it surrounds the destruction of the planet itself and a lot of the way that we use weapons because, I mean, we're killing the earth, and we mentioned yeah. this like two, three episodes ago. It's I like, mean, we can mention that every episode because you look at some parts of the world, the pollution is so bad. The air quality, like they have to post the air quality. Right. And it's just wild. And when I lived in El Paso, they did do that because that during the summertime and stuff, the air quality would get bad because all the traffic and stuff like that, and it would actually post that. But... To think that we're not destroying the environment, that we're not causing global warming, it's too far gone. Like, we, we're definitely, humans are definitely making an impact on the environment, and it's obvious. And what them impacts and going to cause in the future, we shall see. It also, with when you look at the speculations around Operation High Jump, you look at the theory of flat earth, too. A lot of right. people tie us, you know, the government coinciding with each other. They can't get along for nothing. Russia, China, U.S., all the big countries are like, okay, we got this treaty here. Like, we understand this, but we hate each other, you know? Right. And it's like, what, what's really going on up there? What is so secret that y'all can agree that no one else can go there besides specific people, but y'all can't get along, you know what I'm saying? Y'all want to blow each other up with missiles and fucking close down the internet hubs yeah, but like we all behavior. agree that antarctica's you know we as the world we agree that only we can the leaders can decide who goes to antarctica but uh we can't get along domestically it's a, just a weird gap you know that I, right. I i don't understand how you feel you can get along we can get you can semi get along with space exploration right and then we can get along with arctic exploration but we can't get along domestically as countries with each other makes no sense to me right yeah because it's always a propaganda between that like the whole domestic and then on the other half of it like the scientific breakthroughs that they've come to discover like in that region alone it's just like how you say it's like you can agree enough like on the terms that only we're gonna send certain people there it's kind of like leveling the i don't know it's i feel like that's leveling the battlefield because, like, you know, the different people that have been there from these various countries and for whatever reasons, it's, you know, is highly suspicious. And not to be able to tell the people, share with the people, and basically, like, give them what they want. I don't know. It's, it's hurting. It's hurting the people more than it's helping. But you claim it's to benefit all mankind. All mankind. Yeah, all it's like, okay, preach it to the choir. <laughs> Big shout out to Christopher Gray out there in Germany. You you could tear this word up for us if you were on the show right now. He actually passed his German test so he can like speak fluent German. Mm -hmm. You know, like in the United States where people come to get citizenship, they have to speak uh, English fluently and stuff like that. He did that in Germany. Yeah. So uh, big shout out. That's pretty cool. The angriest language in the world. Uh, I'm just going to spell it out. N-E-U-S-C-H-W-A-B-N-B-E-N-L-A-N-D. 
New Swabenland. New Swabenland. A little-known German ex- expedition to the Antarctic from December 17, 1983 to April 12, 1939. The purpose of claiming an area Wait. known... Uh, what's up? 1983. 1983 to 1989. This is a German. Ex- yeah. Oh, uh, because at first it was like 1983 to 1939. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> The purpose was claiming an area known as Drowning Mooch Land, mainly protected uh, the German welling industry. This area, however, had been previously explored by Norway and was formally claimed by the Norwegians in January of 1939. After the Germans had set sail, the Switchboxenland was equipped with a steam catapult. What the fuck? A steam catapult. <laughs> and the two boats, which were used as propaganda photographical surveys, which actually covered 6,000 kilometers. About a dozen aluminum flags were... Tra- <laughs> Hold up one second. So these motherfuckers dropped a dozen aluminum flags from aircraft at turning points of flight paw gongs and others were left by foot expeditions. So basically, they're like, this is my land. I'm going to drop a whole bunch of fucking flags. Yeah, fucking emergency dropped those flags to claim their territory to say, hey, this is mine. So the land surveyed was claimed by Germany in August of... They had a whole bunch of... uh, land claiming up there and uh as mentioned before the word that i couldn't i butchered yeah new swabbling name for the ship the outbreak of war prevented which this was during war two times era the outbreak of war prevented two further planned expeditions and possibly building possibly building a base in antarctica and the norwegian claim was abandoned in 1942 they said fuck all that allegedly there's no evidence of any further german activity in the antarctic during world war ii after this but after the war ended they went to antarctica you know what i'm saying so the germans were in antarctica before the war then the war happened and then after, after the, the war, war the United States sent, <laughs> sent almost 5,000 men a whole fleet of ships and planes to go up in there. Formerly after kidnapping their scientists and interrogating them. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of... <laughs> yeah. It. It's like, what do you know? It's like, I know it all. It's like, tell me. Tell it's me like, everything yeah, you tell need Tell me everything know. you need to know. After everything was said and done with uh, Operation High Jump, there was uh, some other stuff that you can look up in the National Archives, too, by the way. You can go... I forget, I think it's nationalarchives.org. I might be mistaken, but they have recently came out where, like, they have released documents and, like, highly classified stuff about, especially about UFOs. Like, if you go and deep dive into it, they don't know what the fuck is going on with the UFO situation. Like, they didn't know 70 years ago. They, they don't and know And then you, you tie it into, like, there was this big ball that uh, landed in Japan. They don't know what the fuck it was. It's like this big-ass... Just ball, perfectly round cylinder they found on the beach. Don't know where the fuck it came from. And then, like, the balloons and that cylinder 
that they shot down in Alaska or some fucking where. Yeah. But, like, the government literally has documents saying, like, hey, look, we have this picture of this shit. We don't know who the fuck it is at all. And then now they're still doing that to this day. So what is really going on out there? So the U.S. government had planned, when you look at the National Archives, had planned a second trip up there called Operation High Jump 2. Oh, no. Oh, I thought it was Operation Windmill. No. This is just something that they had. Oh, in reference to it. Okay. This is something that they had planned, but they canceled. Okay. Later right. on. Okay. So preliminary consists of correspondent memorandums, dispatches related to the planning and preparation for the canceled Arctic Expedition Operation High Jump 2, which was planned to extend into the year 1950. Topics addressed in the series include the purpose of expedition, proposal of scientific projects, including suggestions from components of the Navy and the Department of Defense, proposed photographical work, okay. uh, storage and distribution of clothing, equipment, and supplies, and instructions for shipping and marking cargo. This series also included reports, photographs, and charts of proposed bases in New Zealand, Chile, and Argentina. Of all things. So it wasn't just Antarctica. They're going to do bases in New Zealand, Chile, and Argentina. Right. People to collaborate with. But they canceled it. Yeah. So they say. Allegedly. Allegedly, they canceled. I want to say they did pursue with Operation Windmill like the following years after, but it was only a two-year expedition. But, yeah, one of the things she had mentioned was whenever they were throwing the supplies out of the plane. Do you know the only thing they kept on the plane were the documents? That's the only thing, like whenever uh, Admiral Byrd's plane was like losing uh, altitude in the mountains and they had to regain altitude to make it back. Yeah, the only thing they kept were the documents. They threw everything else. So whoever were the higher ups of this job at the time was keep everything. I mean, no, throw everything but the but they have throw yourself overboard before you throw them. Yeah, that before you throw that over. document over, you gotta throw yourself off. Of Been the, there. I, I know that when I was in the army, you have your ethos, right? You have okay. So you have your four core ethos, and it's I might butcher this, but the first one is always put the mission first. You know what I'm saying? Right. Always. Right. Yeah. No matter what, put the mission first, and you gotta drill that. No matter the conditions, because even before the expedition, you know, he was mentioning about the challenges that lied ahead. Like, he didn't really have a a settled feeling about going, but, you know, it was like, you know, you're one of the more highly recognized men in our branch of work that we do for the, you know, the benefits of national security and all of the things that goes atop of who you are as a person. It's like, you know, the job first and the person second. So I don't know, to have that type of mentality, you know, it takes a strong mind to even want to take lead on something like that, to be the first to fly there, the first to land, the first to make that call like, okay, boys, you got 10 hours, you know, bring the rest of the fleet in. And, you know, they they had the crunch time on, you know, building those um, airways too, because, the day that they landed, yeah, there was a blizzard that was supposed to blow in, and that's where most of the casualties had come in. They don't mention the casualties in the documentary, but 
you know, compiling oh. everything. They're not going to say the full story either. I firmly believe the government definitely kept everybody that was involved with that pretty hush-hush and the people that lived through it is hush-hush or, you know, like, been told, like, hey, shut the fuck up. And they definitely, you can't tell me that they sent 5,000 men into one of the most harshest places to live in the fucking world, and you know they weren't equipped for it because they were exploring it so they didn't right. know what the fuck they were coming up against you got three months 24 hours of sunlight during the summer and then for the next nine months you dealing with winter conditions and blizzards freezing cold freezing cold and you got expect ha- somebody to just frostbite on the water i bet you that you know how many people probably lost legs Fingers, toes, and just you name like one of the captains fell in the water like there was ziplining from one of the boats. Like one of the main guys, they lift his um his zipline a lot higher to transfer from one of the boats. The zipline snaps like midway, and he falls in the water. They're like anybody who falls in these waters have eight minutes to survive. Yeah, yeah, it's not they long. And him. then in in those eight minutes, you're talking about like severe uh, limb damage. You're talking about severe nerve damage. You're talking about mental damage too. On top of that, and physical, yeah, just the physical part of trying to of hypothermia, yeah, the instantaneous freezing water. I'm talking about water that holds fucking skyscraper-sized frozen blocks of ice, and you fall into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's obviously they lied about how many people died during that, right? And just probably just in the conditions, and that's just. Looking at it from the most obvious look that you can, you can't tell me you sent almost 5,000 men and they probably lost a whole bunch of equipment. Of course they did, because again, like in the video documentation, they had to show that highlight of how much equipment in the conditions, like one of the helicopters had iced over and had landed in the water and they had to rescue the men. But the guy that I was telling you about on the zip line, he was in the water for like seven minutes until the rescue, like the lifeboat got down and got in the water to find them pop up, like on the other side. Talking like, about clutch. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the midst of like the Arctic, like in the Antarctic fog. Like, yeah, and pulled him out of the water, got him in the boat. He survived. You know, later he survived. They just had to get him into, yeah, the emergency therapy. Oh, he probably needed more than just emergency therapy dealing with that. And then I had a question, not to cut you off, but, it, you know, before I forget, I had a question. Go ahead. So on what we have on all the, like, basically the documentation. Okay. Out of zero to 100%, how much information do you feel the government may have released? Yeah, about 10%. No more than 15. So. Pretty highball number if you ask. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty highball number if you ask me. Like nowhere near twenty percent. It's got to be fifteen or less, and I'm leaning towards about nine or ten. And it, it's kind of it's a weird thing too, is because the army really because we trained when I was you know not trying to horns or anything. But right, right. We did NTC, so we go we went to California, right? You train in the Mojave Desert. It's hotter than fuck. Right. You know okay. what I'm saying? So uh when we went to Afghanistan, it was hot as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Hot hot as fuck. And but it got cold as shit for like four months. And I ain't gonna lie to you, I did not have no idea how to deal with cold weather. I'm not talking about like it's just cold outside or snow. I'm talking about it's constantly snowing. 
Yeah, you have to deal with your feet being wet. Yeah, it's a different cold. Shit freezing. Fucking fuel lines freezing. You know what I'm saying? So I know firsthand that the U.S. government damn sure did not send them people 70 fucking years ago prepared to deal with the Antarctic. I know more people died. I know more equipment got lost. I think on the outside looking in and just from the information that I gathered, I think it probably was a total shit show. I think it was so bad. I think it was so bad and they were so underprepared and they went up against so much that I think, to be completely fair, that, and this is from me thinking, I think it was more of a total loss. I think that they got whatever the fuck was going on up there, fucked them up, and the United States didn't have no answer and they ain't fucked with it since. And you can say it's the lizard people or whatever, but you can't. Yeah, they're superior apparently because it also showed that there was life yes. in the area where the uh, thermonuclear bulb exists. It also showed woolly mammoths still roaming in the valleys of the mountains where the trees, like, faced on the slopes. Like, there were small, small, like, ice patches, of course, but it wasn't enough to, you know, just, like, ice over the entire area. Just that whole exploration in general, I think they may have, Showing less than 5% of what I would say as much as 1%. That's a good, you know. They gave us 1%. I like that question, though. That's a a hell of a question. That's a hell of a cover up. Yeah, it's a hefty question. Because you hit it right on the head. It's like, what what, what do you. It really tells us. It's kind of like, was it last week? Uh, Shout out episode 138. Uh, was it? No, that was uh, 184. I had did, I don't have my notes with me from that episode. I did the intro, and uh, which is I hope the listeners like it. I'm trying to give like more of like a show aspect to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's what we're gonna talk about, and then let's talk about us. And then it's always when it comes to conspiracy theories, it's always the thought that it's the lack of information that's provided and the space that is given sparks ideas. So how much space do you yeah. have to think on the speculation of what's being told? Which makes the formally. conspiracy theory so strong because the lack of formal information that is given and hidden from us and we speculate on it and we want to know answers. And it's rightfully so that I, I firmly believe that within the next like 50 years, the Matrix or Lizard People or AI you know, shit don't kill us or asteroid or, you know, uh, the end of times, whatever revelation or whatever you think the world's going to end in this day. But I think the releasing of information to common people to make, you know, everybody says that the world's going to go towards idiocracy. I think when information is freely flown through the world, that we will have a higher understanding and we will be able to elevate ourselves out of this just because I don't run, say, the state of Louisiana doesn't mean that I'm not as smart as the governor or I don't stand on the same level as the governor. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's the idea that I I believe that we should push to the younger folk is like, just because you don't have this label behind you don't mean that you don't have the right to question everything they're doing. Exactly. I mean... Just because they're in this position of power and they say this doesn't mean you don't have the right to go question them and ask them and why this needs to be done and why ain't, I don't know, just 
people need to get more involved in what's going on. You know what I'm saying? And I I believe that information is getting inflation. more out there. It's like we're inflation of information. Yeah, inflation doesn't apply to information. It was what I was going to mention earlier. It's like yeah, everything is going up except for the knowledge and the know of how to get around it. It's designed to keep a person down. It's like where it's like you have two playing fields. It's like you have the... You know, you have the informed and then you have the person doing the informing. And like, oh, no, it just to put a person in a position to like the president, you know, it's like he's the guy that has to like go out and give the speeches. And, you know, like whenever whenever information is given, it's like with the whole like whenever oh, Trump was in office, like when SpaceX had designed Space Force, they had to, like, by law, publicly, they have to let us know that type of information. It was something Kennedy signed, but by law, they have to let us know whenever they're beginning the researches of new projects, including black operations, but they only can mention it one time. And after that one time, it could either be taken off of the Internet, it could be deleted, erased in the miles of history, or induced by the Mandela effect, where people think it's one way, but they misinform the public to make them perceive it, to believe that it's something else once before, to really pursue on the cover-up of um, Inception, making people believe something that really isn't, but it creates controversy. So it increases the percent of the information that you can actually receive on a scale where people are trying to simply get the truth. And that's all, that's all the bottom line is to it. It's like, you know, truth is written, signed by a bullet. And I've heard that from some unknown artist. I can't recall his name, but, you know, for something that great to be released to a public has to be a blood sacrifice made. And it goes into, like, what we were talking about on the last episode, like with the Bohemian Grove and things like that. I feel the government practiced a more darker side in affiliation with these races that have had this knowledge for so many years. But how it works is it starts with the mind. And if you don't have a strong one, then you can easily drown in the sea of knowledge. <laughs> so, Cleve, I want to hit you with a little something. The listeners out there, uh, I don't think no one lived in the nineteen the 1940s. I don't think. If, you, if you're out there... <laughs> Respect to you. I'd like to sit down and have a coffee with you and talk about the day. <laughs> oh, you know, I ain't even done this the whole show. We're almost, we're over an hour in because I had to stop it for Koba and shit. Got to do a little editing before I send that, this hard copy to Zane. Shout out Zane Come for uh, producing our audio and it sounds good. And shout out to the subscribers. It's only a few of y'all, but we appreciate y'all's dollar that y'all have donated to the calls. And yeah, good looking out. Shout out to Aaron Knotts and his family in Fort White, Florida. Ah, congratulations, Aaron. I ain't know you moved. Uh, yeah, he moved down to Florida a couple months ago, and he had a new Bambino. So shout out to... To the new, ba yeah, the yeah. new Bambino in the world. By the way, just a little side note. If y'all want shirts, y'all want some Third Coast Podcast merch, if you uh, get with us, hit us up. You can hit us at thirdcoastpodcastproduction.gmail.com or you can hit me up at bigwheels, thirdcoast at gmail.com or hit our Facebook, Instagram up. 
And if y'all would like to purchase a Third Coast Podcast shirt, you buy a shirt. We include stickers, koozies, and a whole bunch of other merch free to you. And just support us trying to do our thing. And we want to make some money too, like everybody else. We got some really cool shirts out there now. We had made an orange shirt with a green outline of the crawfish and the alligator and the third coast. But the way the green lays on that orange, dude, it's like a fucking eye trip. And I have to, I'm going to show you later. It's just, okay. it, it looks great. But like, if you look at it, it just, it's just an eye trip in two yeah, colors. It's like yeah. a 3D effect. Yeah. Yeah, it'll look good in neon then. Oh, oh, definitely. If you're into the lights, you know, if you got the LED lights in the pad or, you know, if you're out and about, it definitely look good sporting it. Real comfy cotton there. Shout out to Ozzy Bear in Indiana. Yeah, shout out Ozzy. Uh, we sent him a package and he has a white shirt that has the logo on the front and on the back it has Artist of the Week. Hell yeah. Yeah, you earned it. Especially for being our first artist interview too so and it sounded great can't believe that everybody just eats gas station food around uh, the united states now that's that's pretty cool yeah hopefully we could get them in a call on the future you know yeah like later episodes in and another big shout out it's like hit ozzy bear up it's like you want to do a phone interview he's like yeah and then we kind of got sidetracked with a lot of other things going on and then he kept messaging me about it and then we finally got like the line in Zane hooked us up with like how to get the right cord and then it just all went well and just big big shout out for being a part of that y'all make sure y'all go check out Ozzy Bear on TikTok Facebook listen to his music dude got range and he got a lot of heart and he got a lot of drive to be better and so what was happening Cleve in 1946 you may ask okay so Winston Churchill warns of the Iron Curtain falling over Soviet domain Eastern Europe. UN General Assembly meets for the first time. John D. Rockefeller. Of course. uh, Of course. Oh, hold up. Let's (laughs) talk about this asshole. We need to dive into that dickhead and talk about what that financial entrepreneur did to the United States. Isn't he an oil baron? Yeah. Yeah, He's a fucking. He's one of the biggest ones. He's a leech. Yeah. Donates money to the UN headquarters in New York, of all places. Financial capital, baby. Okay. <laughs> the uh, stock exchange. The, okay. So, uh, Newburgh war crime trials. They sentenced 12 Nazis to death, including Ripple Toppin and Gorling. Two life sentences and two other bullshit. Oh, this old dude committed suicide, too. Suicide. Committed suicide before his scheduled execution. Man. They dosed him up. Uh, U.S. industry idled by widespread labor strikes. Federal government takes control of the railroads. Well, this sounds great. Uh, Wartime price controls eliminated. So uh, back in the day during World War II, like you couldn't just go to, like if you had the money, you actually had to have like a coupon to buy certain things, no matter how much money you had, like you had a ration right, of what yeah. you could buy at the store and what you couldn't. 
Yeah, they used to send books in the mail, yeah. I believe, like yep. uh, weekly books. And that's all you and could get. And that's all you could get. And based on your budget, no matter how much money you had, that's all you could get. Coupons were good. They never expired. That's why I had like victory gardens and stuff like that. People would just grow their vegetables and stuff because all the other stuff, like, because they, they took what you could buy off the shelves yeah. and they put it towards the war effort. Hey, that's the OG food stamp yeah, right there. Yep. The SNAP benefit, they used to mail it to you every week. And everybody got and rich everybody and the poor. It. So when you look down, if you're in the store and you see someone buying shit with EBT and you try to look down on them, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I feel, though. Right. But yeah, back in the day, though. Okay. So uh, what was happening in 1946, technology and science-wise, Atomic Energy Council was created. The Zero Graph Photocopying process was invented. U.S. Navy tries atomic bomb and bikini, bikini and yeah, South Pacific. Yeah, bikini like islands. bikini bomb. Yeah, that's where the bikini like, bottom of SpongeBob is from. Yeah, that's that's. So the, they created. Oh, they created what the characters based off of the mutations that took place in the water after the bombings. Like uh, most of the creatures in the area were affected by the radiation. Yeah, so SpongeBob is created. And they created from the, the AI that created the TV show that made SpongeBob <laughs> that attacked children with per. And then they have sexual innuendos yeah, all up in that show. All over that show. They be roasting too. Talk about What's sending Grandma down the river in a pine box. <laughs> American baker John Biggins, uh, Flatfoot, Flatbush. Flatbush National Bank of Brooklyn invested the first bank issue credit card in 1946. Okay, Tupperware was invented by American chemist named Earl Tupper. Okay, that's interesting. In sports in 1946, World Series St. Louis beats Boston 4 to 3. Joe Lewis defends his heavyweight title for the 23rd time. Assault wins Belmont, Peakness, and the Kentucky Derby, which I'm guessing Assault is a horse. Arts and entertainment, the movie, uh, movies, the best years of our lives, Notorious and Great Expectations was the biggest hits in the box office. The songs that was big at the time in 1946 was Tenderly. Come rain, come sh- or, or come shine. <laughs> Why do I always got to be the comedic part of the show yeah. now? Just uh, <laughs> let, let, me, let me do this one more time for y'all. The songs that were hot and fire in the 1946 was Tenderly, Come Rain, or Come Shine. And zip a d do da. I'm not shitting you. Not zippy a do da yeah. was a hit song. Yeah, that's some. Yeah, that's some scat. You know, shout out Kanye for making it prevalent in these days. The first sports network sponsored by Gillette Scavier of Sports ran for 12 hours per week for two networks. I don't know why that is. Okay, so uh, some of the famous books written in that time was Hiroshima, 
John Hershey and Baby. And then there's a child care book by Dr. Benjamin Spock, All the King's Men. I guess those were famous books people yeah, read. Yeah, most of those The were. Hiroshima book probably was very intense. Yeah, most of those they uh, taught in school, like about the Great Expectations. Did you know that, this is a small side note, that the United States had dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, right? Right. And the Japanese government was trying to surrender. But the way communications was set up during World War II, the governments couldn't just contact other governments and shit. So they were willing to surrender after Hiroshima and then the United States, like, was like two days later? Yes. Yeah, dropped the, the, uh, the sister bomb on Nagasaki. And then the United States got the message. Like, <laughs> so Nagasaki could have potentially never happen if communications were up to par. Were more effective at that time. Yep, yep. Just one of those small hairs and a butterfly effect had it a been a little bit better could it have prevented or prolonged for a little bit more okay so everyday life in the 1946 is okay so the strapless brawl became popular on unheastering the trend towards bare shoulder woman fashions they got tired of seeing the bananas hanging okay so in <laughs> 1946 Tide, the first detergent designed for automatic clothes washing machines, was introduced. The first electric clothes dryers. So, which I'm thinking they're talking about dryers. Yeah, it's just what we know as the dryer today. Suntan lotion, of all things, developed. So, suntan, suntan lotion was developed for troops during World War II, right? Right. And it actually became marketed to consumers for the first time in 1946. So, like, the government had lotion to keep you from getting sunburn for troops, but then they decided to sell the patent to corporations while they could make money for it, for the general public. I feel like they had to test that on the troops first, and they was like, man, this is great stuff, man. You guys could make a killing in the market. It's like, bing, 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 bing. Did you say that we could make money from this? <laughs> from our oil, you say? Oh, uh, fun fact, uh, when they were doing the expedition, they had spotted some whales, and they were telling that whales yield over 2,000 gallons of oil per whale. So anybody that's a fan of baby oil or, you know, most famous lotions that, you know, do well for the topical areas of your skin, you know, just know that we get that from whales in the ocean that are depleting on a great number. So Fucking whale killers? Was that too harsh? It was a little harsh. Yeah, all of those, you know, PETA is important. And it's in place for a reason. Remember that when you're lathering up with your lotion out there, people. Third Coast Podcast is sponsored this week by Well Lotion. Because if you're wanting a well of a time and having soft skin. And there you you have it. You need this Well Lotion sponsored by Third Coast Podcast. In 1946, the shortest boxing match was ever recorded. Contour defeats Watson in 10.5 seconds and one punch. Dude walks out, gets in stance, eye each other up. Dude hits him, knocks him out. Code, fastest knockout in boxing history. Hey, that's that one hit to quit, and that happened in the 40s? Yes. Oh, yeah, he he had that uh, glass jaw, they say. You know, the soft chin. 
And the last thing about the 1946 era that I can pull up that Americans ate a record 714 million gallons of ice cream, of all things. I know the popcorn was a popular snack during that time, but I think that was more towards the World War II era. Circle back to the icy continent that we were trying to travel. We traveled down the extensive wormhole, but we're back on the icy continent of Antarctica. And I got something to tell you, Cleve. Antarctica has the highest, driest, coldest, and windiest continent on the Earth. Antarctica covers 14.2 million kilometers, 5.5 million square miles to us uh, United States folks because we don't fuck with the metric system. That's right, right? Yeah, the metric system. Metric system. Try not to do the the, uh, Napoleon Dynamite stuff. (laughs) The viral memes. The Antarctic ice sheet is the largest ice store on the Earth. The area of the Antarctic is 5.4 million square miles, 14 million kilometers for our European fellas and ladies. Allegedly, it's that big. Its mass is estimated to be 7.2 million cubic miles, 30 million cubic meters. 30 million. Yeah. Maximum depth is 15, hold up, uh, 4,776 meters deep. The average depth is 7,000 feet, 2,160 meters. Covers roughly 98% of the Antarctic, allegedly. Uh, The Antarctic contains 90% of the ice on the Earth, allegedly. And contains 90%, which is a weird fact that I found out, is like contains 90% of the fresh water on the Earth. It kind of makes you think where Fiji water comes from. And yeah, but you know, it's all like the, all that fresh water is sitting on top of salty water. You know what I'm saying? It's just frozen. Like, how? Why ain't nobody explaining that? Because you, you look at fresh water that comes from the earth. Don't the reason why we have fresh water on the earth is because the filtration system of rock, granite, soil, and everything. Right. And makes fresh water. Is because you have the natural filters of the earth. So what makes these giant deposits of frozen fresh water on top of salt water appear on our poles? And remain fresh for so many years. And how did all that fresh frozen water get on top of all that salty water? Was it fresh once before? So it kind of draws a question there. That's the government. Shut up, government. We're asking real questions here. Oh, yeah, that, uh, that wavelength that it just or, picked up. I wonder if, this might just be me spitballing an idea, wonder if like a frozen asteroid just crashed into the ocean but became so like, you know what I'm saying? Just imagine it's a frozen, because. Like a com- like Yeah, comet like a frozen light. comet hit the earth at that just right like point a big block and turned of, it chunk, like a broken piece of ice from like a trail from a dust that was created from a larger mass because necessarily all that space. shit's frozen in space it's cold as fuck right yeah that's you know that's what I'm one saying? theory like, I mean that's just a made up theory out of space yeah I don't know if blocks of frozen ice just flies around in space without I don't know if liquid forms like that you know whenever gases and things like that combine makes the chemical compound happen. It's possible. 
I wouldn't rule that out. That's just one of those spitball ideas. Okay, Antarctica holds most of the world's fresh water. And incredibly, 60 to 90% of the world's fresh water is locked in Antarctica's vast ice sheet. The ice sheet is the largest on Earth, covering an incredible 14 million kilometers, 5.4 million square miles of Antarctic mountain ranges, valleys, and plateaus. This leaves only 1% of the Antarctic permanently ice-free. Some of the areas that are ice-free in the summer include areas people can visit if you're allowed to visit there. If you're allowed to visit there. At uh, <laughs> at its deepest, the Antarctic ice is 4.5 kilometers, 2.7 miles thick, allegedly. That's half the height of Mount Everest. It is all melted, global sea level. Okay, so if this would melt, it would raise the world sea level 60, uh, 60 M. Yeah, 60 meters. 200 foot. Yeah, 200 foot. Uh, the Antarctic is a desert. With all the fresh water held in the ice sheet, how could the Antarctic be a desert? When most of us think of deserts, we think of sand dunes and uh, sizzling temperatures, but technically a desert does not have to be hot or sandy. It's more about how much precipitation the area receives in which you would describe precipitation as rain, snow, mist, or fog. A desert is uh, a region that receives very little annual precipitation. The annual rainfall at the South Pole over the past 30 years is just over 10 millimeters, which is 0.4 inches over 30 years. So, got some desert-like conditions going on in the Arctic. Yeah, most definitely. Although there uh, is more precipitation towards the coast, the average across the continent is very low and is even just left unclassified for most of the part because it's a waste of time, apparently. As well as being one of the driest continents on Earth, Antarctica is also the coldest, windiest, and the highest place to live, which I have said before. The biggest things about the Antarctic is it is recorded the lowest temperature ever, and it's negative, well, on Earth is negative 89.2 Celsius, which is negative 128.6 Fahrenheit. Ridiculous. Yes. You know, more facts on Antarctica is the Antarctic Peninsula is warming more quickly than many other areas on Earth. In fact, it's one of the most rapidly warming areas on the planet. Over the past 50 years, average temperatures across the Antarctic Peninsula have increased by 3 degrees Celsius or 37.4 degrees Fahrenheit, five times the average increase on Earth. This has led to some changes, for example, where when penguins form colonies and sea ice forms, it also means that the lush mosses of the Antarctic Peninsula have slightly longer growing season. The question, there's no Antarctic time zone. The question of time in Antarctica is a tricky one. At the South Pole, the lines of longitude, which gives us the different time zones across the globe, all meet at a single point. Most of Antarctica experienced six months of constant daylight in the summer, and six months of darkness in the winter. Time starts to feel a little bit different without the normal markers for day and night. Scientists working in Antarctica generally stay in the time zone of the country they departed from, 
but this can cause some issues. For example, on the Antarctic Peninsula, you can find stations from Chile, China, Russia, the UK, and many other countries. You can imagine that all of these neighboring stations keep to their home time zones. It could be a little confusing trying to share data and resources without accidentally walking on another one in the middle of the night. For travelers with the Aurora expeditions, we generally stay on Yushida time, unless we're traveling to the Falkland Islands or South Georgia. Then we adjust to their local times, changing as we travel. Another thing is every way is north. If you stand at the South Pole, you are at the southernmost point of the Earth. It doesn't matter which way you look, every direction is north. So why do we talk about the Antarctic Peninsula and being West Antarctica in the section directly south of Australia is East Antarctica? It's based on the prime meridian, an imaginary line which passes through Greenwich in the UK at zero degrees of longitude. If you stand at the South Pole and face towards Greenwich, everything to your left is West Antarctica and everything to your right is East Antarctica. Antarctica also has active volcanoes is home to several volcanoes, and two of them are active. Mount Everest, not to be confused with Everest, Mount Erebus, the second highest volcano in Antarctica, is the southernmost active volcano on Earth. Located on Ross Island, this ice-bound volcano has some unique features, such as ice fumaroles and twisted ice statues that form around gases that seep from vents near the volcanic crater. This was roughly, I think, 150 miles from Little America 4, where they stationed for Operation High Jump. The first ascendant of Mount Everest was made in 1908 when a team led by an Australian scientist, Edgeworth David, and including Douglas Mawson, completed an arduous and very chilly five-day climb to the steaming crater. The second active volcano is on Deception Island, a volcanic cauldron in the South Sheathland Islands, once home to a thriving whaling station and later a scientific station. It was abandoned after the most recent eruption in 1969, and today is a fascinating place that we visit on some of our Antarctic Peninsula voyages. There is a subglacial lake that flows blood red. In 1911, on a remote glacier in East Antarctica, a strange phenomenon was observed. The lily-white ice of the Taylor Glacier was being stained by a deep red, by water flowing from deep within the glacier. For many years, the source of the red color remained a mystery. But in 2017, scientists announced that they discovered the cause. The water flowing within the glacier was from a subglacial lake high in salt and oxidized iron, and when it became in contact with oxygen, the iron rusted, giving the water its striking red shame and its name, Blood Falls. Gotta love it. You know, that's the compound element of our, our what, being. What did it say? Like the copper was making... Oh, the iron. Oh, the iron. Yeah, iron in the water, oxidizing whenever it hit the oxygen, giving it its red color. And there's active volcanoes, too, Antarctic. That's yeah. crazy. And active volcanoes in the Antarctic region. That's crazy. Again, it kind of explains those pockets in the Earth where, you know, you're pumping magma and it deactivates, but it leaves these empty caverns, you know, and from those caverns, it kind of leads to other precious valuables, minerals. 
you know, Antarctica on a political scale <laughs> has its own treaty. When humans caught their first glimpse of Antarctica in 1820, it was the only continent without an indigenous population. Several nations quickly made claims to the continent, which led to significant tension while some countries argued that Antarctica was rightfully theirs. Others heartedly disagreed. As tensions mounted, everyone agreed on a need for a peaceful resolution. In December of 1959, 12 countries signed the Antarctic Treaty, an unprecedented international agreement to govern the continent together as a reserve for Plato for peace and science. Since then, 41 other countries have signed the treaty and participated in annual meetings where decisions are made about how human activity I'm in Antarctica that, I'm hearing is the angry managed. I'm hearing All it. decisions made within the Antarctic Treaty system were made by consensus. A very large vote, if you will, with collaboration and agreement as the central pillars. Today, the Antarctic Treaty system has expanded to include strict guidelines for commercial fishing, sealing, and a complete ban on mining and mineral exploration. Peacefully, they say. (laughs) Did I say about, like, that's where the idea of flat earth comes from too like speculation too is like a lot of it stems from like the secretive of the antarctic region right and a lot of people speculate that it's everlasting great ice wall yeah it's operation flat earth if you ask me because you know when they pull (laughs) in it's like that big vast wall of like 42 miles of a nice shelf and then they have to find a way up it so it's like they have to travel around it to find like the part where they can walk up to it because I, I thought they did that in Game of Thrones. weren't they on the ice wall or some shit? And yeah, some, they like, went ice to the giants. Ice wall. Imagine if that was the thing. Like, there's ice giants out there. I mean, uh, shout out the episode one. What's it? One seventy eight ice giants or one seventy five? Forget what it is, but shout that out. That's a great episode. Last but not least. Diamond dust floats in the air. Although there are low levels of precipitation in Antarctica, meteorological wonders abound, and the diamond dust is one of them. Diamond dust is made of tiny ice crystals that precipitate around, oh, out of the humid air near the Earth's surface. It's a little like an icy fog. As ice crystals hang suspended in the air, Sunlight causes them to sparkle, creating a glittering effect that looks like a million tiny floating diamonds. Diamond dust is also responsible for beautiful optical phenomena such as sundogs, halos, and light pillars. And one they didn't mention famously was the, you know, the aurora borealis. You know, it's something with the, the lightning and the moisture in the air and the conditions and then everything with the electromagnetic field. Deep science. <laughs> Before we jump out of Operation High Jump, Super Jump, Mario Jump. Make sure you get that running start. What's your big takeaway from this topic? The one thing you can solidify your thought process to say about Operation High Jump? That's a good question. Your perspective on the knowledge that we gathered. The knowledge we gathered. that we gathered, you know, there is there's a lot of good information 
for the video that, you know, that they put out, there is a lot that can be gathered from preparation and some of the conditions they face, some of the dangers to kind of give a real element of, you know, in a line of active duty for their research, you know, commend those that lost their lives and commend those for the research they found. I know it, it goes in the, in the name of documentation. It ain't much that I can add to it. It's just a, another thing It's really cold down there. <laughs> it's just like a lot of ice and who knows what else. I brought up earlier on the show about like the warrior ethos and the first one, you have four of them. And the first one is always place the mission first. Next one is never quit. No, let's see. Always place the mission first, never quit, never leave a fallen comrade. Right. No, no. Oh, scratch that. Doo-doo. Oh, no, the war ethos. I'm fucking them all up. It's been a while. I think my biggest takeaway from it all is we got a little bit of the information, and I think the world governments decided to hide it the rest of it from us right yeah everybody agreed to hide it Cleve I've thoroughly enjoyed our deep dives recently on the show and I hope all the listeners have and we got some great things coming got some great video clips coming got some YouTube coming we're gonna take a quick pause and we're gonna dive in our artist of the week that sound good to you yeah it sounds pretty good to me let's hit this Big shout out to our artist of the week, No Heart. He started back in school under a different name back in the day, but he kept his music alive during, you know, his ages 17, 18, and, you know, 19, and into the present and striving every day to be a better artist. And uh, No Heart, which is spelled N O H X R T, all caps too, was born. All caps. All caps through his previous music adventures. He's done all of his recording by himself in his bedroom, which is very impressive. His style has evolved into a more alternative sound and mainly uh, expressing his feelings overall through his music. He can't wait to grow bigger and better and expand his horizons, and we're very honored to have him, you know, be a part of the show and join the Thurco's podcast family. And yeah. his song is Teenage Dream that we'll be featuring at the end of this show. Like I said earlier, it was, uh, I love our deep dives and I love how we, we tackled Operation Pajop, <laughs> you yeah, know, in the best, uh, best fashion we could with the relevant knowledge that was given to us. As all good things come to be, it always got stand, got stand. Hopefully, we can, you know, be alive and continue for 186. You know, stopping closer to Big Two Hondo, big milestone for us. Make sure y'all go out there and subscribe if y'all want to hear, you know, some throwback Third Coast podcast. It's only a dollar. Check us out on 5000w's.thirdcoastpodcast.com on all major streaming platforms: Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, anywhere. And everywhere we are there, especially social media wise. And be on the lookout for YouTube because we got something special coming very soon. 
to that platform, and we're going to hit YouTube running. Can't wait for that. Words of wisdom this week, Cleve. I'm just going to lead it off. Be kind. Just love one another, and the one act of kindness can go a long way. Sometimes it's about showing kindness to someone else, and it just sparks a seed. Right. That's all you got to be. You just got to be. Sometimes you just got to. You can just be the shade. It's okay to be the shade. It's okay to. You could be the shade or you could be the shine. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. No, I guess, uh, you know, words of wisdom, you know, mine would be, you know, keep the integrity, you know, keep it close, you know, self-value, self-worth, you know, be true to yourself when it comes to maintaining a organized lifestyle where you may have a routine, may work a nine to five and dealing with people, you know, never sell yourself short for what you're actually worth. You know, if there's an opportunity, take the risk, but, you know, don't be, you know, just be cautious about it. You know, never sell yourself shorter than what you're, what you're fully worth because nobody deserves to be given less whenever opportunities can present greater. And that's pretty much it, you know, kind of connects, you know, it could connect with a personal thing, business, even with tonight's topic, you know, what they decide to tell and what they can. <laughs> what they leave uh, enclosed. Yeah, yeah and... what they leave enclosed and how it classified and versus like, you know, the information I was given today, you know, yeah, self-value is important to preserve. And so people will take that to the highest of authority to keep it. Well, I guess we'll holler at y'all next week. You know, it's your boy, Joe. What it do, Gators? Sitting yeah. here with Cleve. Yeah, you got your boy, Cleve. What it do, babe? And, uh, y'all have a good one. We, uh, we out of here. We're not sad again. Are you Splash Gang? Are you Splash Gang? Waking up with my head in the clouds. To my pain, there is no answer. Better when no one's around. No, I ain't trying to explain myself. All day I'm faded, trying to find my way to you. These highs blow over, and I'm back to being confused. I wish you
Sorry.